Hey everybody, this is Mark, and always thank you. Thank you for tuning in and giving the Hard Rock Core podcast a chance. This is episode number 20. I am happy to be here, and I'm happy you are here with me. Today, I'm going to bring you a conversation between myself and drummer Jean-Paul from the band Clutch. What else can you say about this band? They do things their way, the way they want to. And they're in the middle of giving us a couple of live streams. They did one back at the end of May and given us another one here on August 7th. So this interview is coming to you a couple days ahead of that. And I hope you enjoy the conversation. I first heard this band back in the mid 90s and I listened to it and it was cool. It was groovy but I hadn't had the opportunity to see them live. And some friends of mine who were just about ready to go on their first national U.S. tour, opening for Clutch and Slayer, told me how awesome Clutch was live. And yes, tied two and two together, it's back in 1998. Clutch, Slayer, the opening band was System of a Down. Shavo told me how awesome Clutch was live and the groove that the drummer had just how laid back the music was, but how fun it was and energetic at the same time. So I saw the show at the Palace in Hollywood. Incredible. Anyhow, a great conversation. I always love talking with drummers, and obviously that drummer conversation is always cool to me. You can find me online at hardrockcore.net. It has links to all of my socials, including Instagram, Twitter, the Spotify playlist, YouTube, and all of the podcast information in which you can find this on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor.fm, and the same day on YouTube. If you want to send me a message, you can do it through Anchor.fm by simply clicking message. Let me know what you want to hear, ideas, suggestions. Would love to hear from you. If you like what you hear, please like follow and share the hard rock core podcast and now on with the show my interview today with jean paul from clutch let's do this hey there mark how are you i'm wonderful today how are you very well sir thank you are you home in Maryland? Uh, I am in Maryland. I'm actually at our uh, rehearsal spot right now. We're getting ready to practice in a little bit. Obviously, for live from the Doom Saloon Volume Two, and Correct. if I'm not mistaken, you, are you guys going to allow a fan to pick this set list? That's right. Yep. Have you Have you guys um, been looking okay. at these so far? Oh yeah, definitely. We've gotten a whole bunch of them. Uh, we've got some, we've got some good ones in mind. Uh, you know, it's been pretty fun because, uh, I feel like we have a pretty wide variety of songs that we pull from, uh, for our live shows. I think, uh, when we, when I last counted, I, I think we were up to probably about, uh, 70 or 75 songs that we pull from on a, on a fairly regular basis. Um, but a lot of these set lists go even further beyond that. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be a little bit of a challenge to, to learn some of the older stuff, but I'm up for it. 
when you say go back and learn that older stuff again to kind of redo it, it, are there certain songs that stick out in your mind and you go, holy crap, I forgot how that, how that plays? Uh, of course. <laughs> That's going to be the <laughs> challenge. Um, so we've been going through the set list and trying different ones out. Um, and, you know, each one of them has, has at least one song where we're like, okay, we need to listen to this right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, hey, it's fun. And, and it's, and it's, it's interesting to, to go back and listen to something that, that you recorded, you know, 15, 20, 25 years ago. Uh, it sort of puts you back in that mindset again. Um, and you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe it's like going through, uh, old photos in a way. That's a good way to look at it. You know, or you, you, when you go back and look at the old photos, you go, what the hell was I wearing? But when you listen to the music, yeah. you go, you're either going, wow, that was pretty cool, or, oh, that's cringeworthy. I, I wish I didn't do that. There's a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> when I first discovered you guys in the live form, and I had heard CDs and stuff, but the first time I saw you guys live was when you did that tour with System of a Down and uh, Slayer back in 98. And oh, yeah. was friends with the guys in System and was talking with Shavo about it. And he said, you have to see this band live. They are like nothing you've ever seen before. And given that was a very diverse bill with system opening, you guys going second and Slayer going on third, a very diverse bill. But you guys went over and I saw it at the Hollywood Palladium. It was a killer set. And I was like, holy crap, this is a different, a different ball game. And I think over the years, your recordings have, have sort of caught up to that live environment. But as you go through and look back at your progression in, in the career, how do you, I mean, how do you keep all four members in the band? I think it really just boils down to the music. Um, when we started the band, the intention was to, to play live shows and to make some good recordings. And, and that's really the beginning and the end of it. We did not have any intention whatsoever of making a career out of playing music. Um, we certainly didn't want to become popular uh, like the other bands that were either, either on the radio or on MTV. We, we thought that was corny. Uh, a lot of the bands out there, most of the bands that were on the radio back then, we did not look up to in any way. We, we thought uh, they were sort of uh, just playing lowest common denominator music um, catering to record labels. And so, so we didn't really want anything to do with that. We just wanted to write cool music and music that we liked. And we just wanted to get together with other, other bands that we liked and play some shows. And, and that was really, that was the only goal really. Um, and luckily we've been able to make a career out of this thing. Uh, but I think it's because when times were tough, we always went to the back to the music. Uh, in the nineties when we were battling with one record label or another, um, we always knew, you know what, we can just go play a show and we can play our songs and we don't have to worry about what the record label says or what they want to do or what they don't want to do. Um, you know, and are 30 years later and we are in, in the, this current state now where we can't play shows. Um, but we can, we can stream performances from the doom saloon here and we're going back and we're playing the music, you know? And so, it's it's um, it's kind of the, it's sort of the same thing we were doing thirty years ago. 
the music is key, and that's the thing I've always taken away from your band is that you you're just four guys who like to play music, and like you said, it turned into career. But at what point did you guys, you know, maybe put down those day job type things or say to yourselves, hey, guys, we, we, we've got to really dedicate a little bit more time because we're going to be spending more time on the road and recording. When did when did it switch for you guys to going, hey, this is our career? Well, you know, I, I think each each guy in the band had a different, uh, there was a different moment for everybody, you know. Um, speaking for myself, I, I knew pretty early on that, can you hear me all right? It, it sounds like it's breaking up there. Absolutely hear you perfect. Okay, great. Um, speaking for myself, it was pretty early on. I, I knew that I wanted to play drums. Um, I, I didn't know if it was possible to be in a band and, and do that. I thought maybe, you know, maybe I would be some sort of a professional musician. Maybe I'd play studio stuff or, or uh, I, 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 I didn't know if this band was going to be a band that would stick around for as long as it did. I certainly enjoyed playing in this band, but um, for me, it was pretty early on knowing that I wanted to play music. Um, I will say though, that we all sort of jumped into it um, sort of feet first early on. And by that, I mean, we, we got a house together uh, and we lived very frugally for many years that uh, we didn't have much money at all. Um, and we, we lived in this old house in West Virginia that was super cheap at the time out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and we just played and we were just sort of broke and just happy just to be playing music. I think many people miss that. And you mentioned, you know, earlier you could go play a show and not worry about the, the war with the record labels. People need to just love that performance and jamming together and that chemistry when you sit in, in the rehearsal studio or garage, whatever people want to call it, and you jam with somebody and you can play the same riff for a half hour over, but still have fun with it. That's the true chemistry of music. And that's the thing that a lot of modern music is missing is that sort of interaction. And you guys still possess that. So I, I can't say how much I appreciate that part of what you guys do. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's about, appreciating the process. Um, you know, certainly we all have goals. We want to, you know, you, you want to get to this level of musicianship or you want to make this kind of a record or you want to have this kind of success at, at radio or whatever that might be. Um, but, but it's not about the end result. It's about what you do on the way to, to those goals. Um, you have to appreciate that process. You have to enjoy, um, playing 15 songs uh, knowing that maybe only two of them are really only going to make it on the record. Um, and you have to put your heart into every one of those 15. You have, you have to enjoy that process of it. The creation thing is, and you guys still have that jam mentality. It feels, there, there's a lot of albums that come out now and you, you can feel that it was maybe one person writing it and it's a cut and paste job, but you guys still feel loose and it still feels natural. And, that's something that a lot of modern music misses, unfortunately. Yeah, maybe some of it has to do with um, with the technology that's available to us. Um, yeah. You know, it it it, uh, it doesn't have to hurt, though. You know, it, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. There there are tools that we can use now 
um, they can they can make for better records. They can they can make for uh, um, uh, more creativity at times too. Um, I do think though that there are uh, there's a generation of musicians who are growing up now who just solely make music um, in the computer, and I think they're they're lacking that interaction that happens with other musicians that, that gives the music the depth or the the, the meaning, you know. When you mentioned playing with other musicians, if you could do something, do a, a live gig outside of the other three guys in clutch, who would be like, who would be like your dream guitar player, bassist, singer to, to go out and do a jam session with live? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, wow. So many players. Uh, I, I, one of my favorite bass players who, who's still playing great to this day is George Porter uh, from the meters. Um, and my wife and I like to visit New Orleans pretty regularly, and we always make it a point to go see George Porter play. He's, he's an amazing, uh, not only amazing bassist, but it's just an, an amazing musician. The way the way he's able to um, uh, pull a group of musicians together and and make make a song sort of happen on the spot. I've, I've always been impressed by George Porter, so maybe he would be the bass player. Uh, there's a lot of great guitarists out there. Um, you know, one of, one of my very favorite guitarists is um, is Weinrich, otherwise known as Wino, and he nice. plays in a band called The Obsessed. Yes, and uh, I've actually had the opportunity to make a record with him. Uh, he, for me, is an inspiration on in a lot of ways, and he he makes music on his own terms. Uh, he plays guitar in his own way, and although I've, he's been extremely influential, he's one of those players that you can you can try to copy his style, but you'll never really get get there uh he can he can provide inspiration but but in, but to copy that thing that he has is very difficult to do um so 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 maybe that's the band maybe it's scott weinrich and george border <laughs> well i saw the obsessed I, maybe three four years ago here in sacramento where i live and they played well the place is now called holy diver but it was called starlight before and it's a two-story place. You got to carry your gear upstairs. And it was like them and Primitive Man and a couple other bands, but just incredible. And obviously, the legacy of, of what he's done and the influence that he's put on music over the years, without a lot of people really knowing it, unless you dig deep into the history of, of that genre, you know. But phenomenal right. player, phenomenal player. So as you guys gear up for volume two here, in volume one you had, I think, Crowbar join you, uh, I think, for mm -hmm. that session. And Kirk's Kirk's awesome. Love Kirk. Um, yeah. And, and doing these live streams, was it any different for you doing the live stream versus playing live to the crowd instant response? Is there any way you treat it differently? Oh, certainly. You know, um, right away, we, I mean, you, you miss having that that interaction with the audience that is so crucial to what we do. Um, but knowing that, that folks are, you know, in their home and uh, hopefully enjoying what's going on, I, th I think gives us uh, that, that sort of, that sort of inspiration that we need. Um, it's, it is not a replacement for a live show, uh, but it's a show and we put our hearts into it. Uh, I can tell you, I, I play with the same intensity. I, I still want to, I still want to challenge myself. I still want to play the best drums that I can. I want to play the tunes uh, as best I can right there in that moment. 
Um, so I guess, I guess in some ways it is, you know, it's, it's, it is like a live show. I think we certainly treat it like a live show. It's just as important as any other show we've ever done. Um, but you, you do have to dig deep for, for that, for that feeling, for that energy. Um, but we know that, that people are out there and, and when we see comments flying by, you know, that, that makes you feel good. Well, the, the impact, and yeah, I don't think this can replace a live show, and I hope people don't think that it will or can someday because it, that exchange between the fan and the front row or the balcony and what's happening on stage is irreplaceable no matter what. Now, you did the first one of these back in May. Are you planning one later on this year as well? Are we going to go to Volume 3? Uh, I think so. I mean, we're going we're gonna to do this for as long as, as, long as people will watch. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's looking more and more like this thing is going to drag on for quite some time. And, uh, you know, we're, we're here to play music. That, that's what we do. So we're going to do the best we can. Um, we're going to try to make each one of them a little different, um, you know, and I, and I don't see us doing this on a, on a super regular basis, like a once a week kind of a thing. I think we want to make each one sort of special and have its own identity. Um, but, yeah, our, our plan is to continue doing this for, for as long as it takes. Just an idea that popped into the head is, you know, what if you guys did this, the live stream thing, but did it as far as we're going to write a song, we're going to come in and just jam and see what comes up and let fans partake in that type of visual experience to see how you guys write a song. Absolutely. I, I think all those are, all those are good ideas. And, and, you know, if, if, if nothing else, we'll have the opportunity to try some things uh, that we otherwise would not have, have uh, taken on. Which it's got to be tough now. Now, talking about drums in your kit, what are you? What are you playing on these days? Uh, Gretsch USA Custom. That's a monster kit. I, I love it. I've, I've been a fan of Gretsch drums since I was a kid. Uh, so many of my favorite drummers played Gretsch, you know, including Charlie Watts and Elvin Jones and Art Blakey and now Stanton Moore and. Um, so there's, there's definitely a, uh, a lineage of great drummers that, that came from, from the Gretsch company. Um, so I, I, I love playing Gretsch drums. I have added another Tom Tom to my setup. I've, I've been, you know, for so many years I was, I was, I played, uh, one rack Tom and, uh, one or maybe two floor Toms. Uh, but recently I've added a, a, a second Tom Tom up top now. So, um, I think that's something I started doing too in the beginning of this pandemic. Was, you know, let's 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 try some different stuff, and so I've, I've got that other voice up there now. I've been enjoying playing that. And um, as far as cymbals go, I, I still play the same cymbals. I, I play minor cymbals, although I have uh, some of them are a little wider than I would normally play, and that's because we're in in the jam room where we are, and uh, cymbals tend to be so so loud. And I, I'm mindful of, of, of putting too much cymbal into the vocal mic because that never sounds good. Um, our jam room is pretty small, you know, and uh, we have to be aware of that. So, so you know, it's the old thing where you, you sort of play to the room. Yeah, you have to. And you mentioned adding another tom. Was it a bigger one or a smaller one up top? Uh, actually, a smaller one. And they actually go in reverse order now. So now I go, it goes 14, 13, 16 at the moment. Um, and I do play the, the second floor tom from time to time too, but I think for this live stream coming up, it's just going to be that, that five piece kit. I think Mick Fleetwood always did that. The bigger Tom first. 
and then to the smaller one. Yes. Which I, is cool. I think you're right. And another drummer who did that was Bernard Purdy, one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Great groove with that guy. Oh, man. Incredible. Great groove, great shuffle as well. Just incredible. That's when you add, and I'm a drummer myself, when you put those drums in different configurations, it makes you think about the lineage and what you're doing differently and how you can phrase things and makes your hands do things a little bit differently. And you, you open up things to explore a little bit more. Absolutely. And that, and that was kind of the, the idea behind it. And I've had so much fun playing it. It, 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 it might stay up there for some time. And when you, when you play live, do you, I mean, it's, it's a very loose feel with you guys. Do you like to experiment with doing different fills in the live forum? Of course. Yeah. Different fills. Uh, I, I experiment with how much I swing a song from night to night. Um, it just kind of depends on how I'm feeling. Maybe what I listen to that day. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll go on record and say I cannot play the same the, the, the same way twice. Each, each time I play a song, it's going to be a little different. Um, and that's just the way my brain works. I'm, I am not very good at memorizing parts and playing the parts note for note. Um, so I, I think because of that, you know, the, the songs evolve from night to night. And, you know, some of these songs we've been playing now for 25, 30 years. And it's been great because I can... I, I, I can I can sort of readapt the song from night to night, depending on, on how, how I'm feeling it. And, um, and, and the band is right there with me. I, you know, they do the same. It's, it's a little different every night and that's what keeps it exciting for us and, and hopefully the audience. Well, I think with, with a lot of the time changes and transitions you guys do, when you may hit like a slower part of a song, that's the change you, you, you sometimes when I've seen you guys live, you sort of elongate those crashes that maybe are, Dun, 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 dun. You, you slow it down. You do different things like that. I love that vibe live. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. I, I think one of, uh, maybe one of the bands that we learned that from was Corrosion of Conformity. Um, I always enjoyed watching, uh, I, I really enjoyed watching Reed and Mike Dean play together because it seemed like those guys sort of owned time in their own way. And, um, from a very early age, those guys were a huge inspiration. You guys toured with them, I think, around 2000, somewhere around there. Yeah, we've done, a, we've done a few. Yeah, we've done a few tours with them. I think we did do a we did a couple U.S. tours with them right around 2000. We've been to the U.K. with those guys. Uh, we did a, um, a tour with uh, them and Mastodon. Um, and then whenever they come through town and I'm around, I always go see them. They're they're one of my favorite bands. And, and I love all, all, all uh, eras of the band. I love the very early hardcore stuff, um, the later 80s stuff like Blind. I enjoy that. And then, all, of course, all the stuff with Pepper singing. Um, I'm, I'm just I'm a, I'm a fan of those guys all the way around. Yeah, at, same here. Yeah, the shows I saw on that tour around 2000, 2001, you guys played the Whiskey, and then you played the uh, Observatory down in Orange County. Those are the two shows I caught mm -hmm. on that tour. Just Love, love the vibe that having both you guys together. And I think, I think Bauer was playing drums with them at that point. That's right. Yeah. An another guy with great feel to what he does. No doubt about it. And man, he can write a riff too. Holy smokes. Yeah. That, he's one of those guys who, who plays everything as well. Yeah. He's I'm, great. I'm I, I love guys. Jimmy. Well, I, I definitely appreciate your time today. 
Um, I know you guys have a lot going on. You got to get ready and looking forward to whatever set list gets picked uh, out there for you guys. And this is on August 7th, correct? That's correct. And that was my interview with Jean Paul from the band Clutch, an amazing drummer, an amazing band who has done so much in the live forum. And everything those guys do is just absolutely incredible. And they've done it their own way. Yes, they've been signed to a major, but they've carried on not being on a major and creating their own environment to put out music for us, the listeners. And a shout out to that band and hope you all tune in and catch live from the Doom Saloon, Volume 2. As always, you can find me at hardrockcore.net. Links to all of my socials. I hope you can follow me there. And always, stay safe, stay true, tell your friends and family you love them, give them a hug, and have an awesome day. Awesome.